Um, welcome to East Lake. My name is Brent. I'm the teaching pastor here, uh, and, and I feel like I need to explain my jersey a little bit today because I've had a few people like, you know, he doesn't play for the team anymore, right? And I'm like, yes, but here's the deal. Um, I don't know if you have ever experienced this. Have you ever broken up with somebody because you thought the grass was greener on the other side, and then once you left, you realized, dang it, I left something good. You know what I mean? It was better than than what you had. Uh, and then you see her on Instagram and she's wearing your clothes that you bought her. And then uh, you're like, it just, it just feels like rubbing salt on the wound. I want Richard to know he could have had this and he left it. And now he's on this two and nine team and not making the playoffs. And I want it to sting. And that makes me feel good. And does that make me a bad person? It might. I don't know. But that's why I'm wearing the jersey today, okay? So now that that's all cleared up, uh, we are starting a brand new series today called Advent. Uh, my family, when I was growing up as a kid, uh, my mom used to lead us in Advent, uh, which is like a, it was like a nightly devotional. She'd be like, all right, guys, it's time for Advent. And we were long, young, it was like, Ooh, ah! And then when we got a little older, like six, we were like, ooh, you know, whatever. And it, but it was, it was something that sticks in my mind. Like I remember that vividly. And my mom's going to share a little bit about uh, some of those stories. But we used to um, uh, light a candle and sing, and she would then lead. And my dad is a, the lead pastor at a church in Pasco, and my mom led the Advent. It was like, no, I'll take this. We got this. You know what I mean? Uh, and it was just a real positive experience. And so um, as a result, when when we started this church a few years ago, we we are. We know you know that if you've been here before, we are not a traditional church. If you didn't figure that out from the video that we just showed, it just it, it's. Uh, however, when it comes to Advent, that is one thing that we have said. We just we just kind of capitalize on the the nostalgia that is Christmas, and uh, so every year we don't get creative. We always just do Advent, and Advent simply means the arrival or the expectation of the arrival of the King and His Kingdom. And so, um, leading up to uh, Christmas Day, you do four the four Sundays prior to it, and there's different themes for each one. So, anyways. If you're uh, if you're if you're East Lake's home for you and uh, you plan on coming back the rest of December, that's what you're in store for. And today, delivering the uh, first part, first you know part one of the series is my mom, who recently, by the way, got her doctor. She probably won't even talk about it, but really cool. She went back to school and uh, and and got this. And so now she always she makes me refer to her as Doctor Gail, guys, and it makes Thanksgiving dinner a little awkward, but that's okay. Would you please welcome to the stage my mom, Doctor Gail Johnson. Awesome. It's, it is really great to be with you. I love being here. I love watching my son lead. It's a treat for me. And thank you, Brent, for trusting me with this. Um, you know, uh, I think it was Jenny said, maybe I could have some good scoop on him. Tell you the truth, I just don't have any. He was just a great kid. Um, although, there was that one time in college that we don't talk about in our family. <laughs> Did you want to say something? No. Okay, we're good. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> so this is the beginning of the Advent season, and which leads into the Christmas season that starts Christmas Day and goes for 12 days and ends at Epiphany. But um, so this begins, and so all of the hubbub and the rush and the gift buying, and I just wanted to help you guys out today just a little bit, okay? Because that's, that's really tough on you guys, and, and we recognize that. So my husband has figured out how to give the perfect gift every year. It's amazing. So I'm going to let you in on his little secret. Ready? He buys petite and saves the receipt. Right? 
God, or Brent used to get so mad about that. <laughs> you got that, thanks. <laughs> so again, Advent is just this season. We, I, I did not grow up um, practicing Advent. I grew up in a non-religious home. But once I had kids and I discovered Advent, I just knew this was, this was a tradition that I wanted to bring into our family. And we've done it, like Brent said, all of his growing up years. And really, it's, it's the... the thrust behind Advent is that it becomes this, you know, we live in such a distracted culture, right? We're, we're distracted people. There's so many things that vie for our attention, and we tend to live scattered lives. And, um, but Advent is one of those, it's a training thing of our hearts, that for four weeks, we are, we're able, and intentionally, we focus on the coming of Christ, and what that means, and the kingdom that was ushered in at his coming. But it's not so much, not just a focus on Christ coming as a child, it's really about all the ways that Jesus still comes to us today and keeping our hearts open and, and attentive to that. And so it's, a, it's a, this focused practice of training our hearts, and um, it, that's why I love it so much. It's the one time we can really focus in and attune our hearts to those kinds of things. So today I wanted to, I've titled the message, There's Something About Mary. Now I'm told this is a movie, Right? I have never seen the movie. And Brent says I should not see the movie, right? Um, and my, how our roles have changed. Him growing up, I'm saying, you don't go to see that. And now he's telling me what not to see. But that, that's okay. I'm glad he saves me from those kinds of things. But our passage today in Something About Mary is taken, it's really the beginning of the entire Christmas um, message uh, and recorded in Scripture. It's taken from Luke chapter 1. And I want us to read this together, be beginning at verse 26. <clears throat> it says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even now, Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth Month. That was before they had FaceTime and they could talk about their lives, right? Before, for no word from God will ever fail. And this was Mary's response to this incredible proclamation. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. I think this passage about Mary and really this entirety, I'm going to bring out three points today, but really this entirety of this passage to me actually is a perfect description of the Christian life. If you if you're were to 
dig into it a little bit further, you would see uh, how God, what God's role is and what our role is in this relationship with God, in, in this walk with God. And it's amazing. But I'm just going to bring out three things today from the passage um, to share with you this morning. And the first thing that we learn about Mary is this, is that submission is saying, sure, sure, to God's this. Let me explain. The angel Gabriel shows up, and Mary hears this incredible story about what is about to unfold in her life. Now, I think she was very much like you and me. I think she had plan big plans. She was engaged to be married to a man. I'm sure she thought that her life would, would be about a Jewish wedding to a Jewish man, raising Jewish babies, and having a wonderful life. Surely that was what she had pictured in her mind. But like Mary, we also have expectations of how we think life should go. And almost always, that involves us creating and achieving the life of our dreams. And we don't like our dreams disrupted. Can anybody relate to that? We don't like our dreams. We want life to go a certain way. And you know what? Every once in a while, life does fall into place. It falls into place. I remember one time, um, one of our kids lived in Coeur d'Alene. We used to live there. I love Coeur d'Alene. And then another kid lived in Seattle. And it was like, okay. I thought it to myself, okay, everybody stand still. Because I love Coeur d'Alene. I love Seattle. I can go to both places now, right, and have some place to stay. Everybody stands still. But as we know, life has a way of rarely standing still. And now they've moved on to other places. Um, I also grew up in the military with a stepdad. He was in the Army. And there's something, if, if you were raised in the military, you know this to be true, is that the military has a habit of moving you every, at least it used to be when I was growing up, they, they had a habit of moving you every 18 months. So you would show up at a, a new place, and 18 months later, you would just get to know some friends. you just kind of get to know the area kind of thing. And then 18 months later, they would move you to a new place. And then 18 months later, they would move you. So all of my growing up was always disruptive. Everything was new. Nothing ever stayed the same. Now, the really good thing about that is if you expect life to be disruptive, and if you expect life to not stay the same, you won't be disappointed, right? But for most of us, we kind of have this idea that life should go a certain way. And when life doesn't, we can find ourselves saying something like this, well, who signed me up for this? I don't know if you've ever, and maybe you didn't use those words, but we think that, don't we? Who signed me? This is not what I put in for. This is not what I had planned. This is not what I had dreamed. And what I've discovered, and you probably have already, is that God's ways are so much different than I ever imagined. His ways are not my ways. Typically in my life, when something is going on and, and something's disruptive, something isn't staying still, I usually give God five, dif I, I'm going to help him out, I decide, and I'm going to give him five ways that he can fix this, right? I figured it out, God. Here's your options. But never has he chosen even one of my options. He is way too creative. He, he is way too big to allow me to do that. And what I've discovered is that his way is always the better way. 
but it's a struggle. It's definitely a struggle. See, we like the idea, we, we have probably said, and I hear it all the time, we like the idea of God is in control. We like that because there's something comforting about that. But we like that he's in control as long as he behaves himself. As long as he doesn't get too crazy, right? We like that. As lo- in other words, we, we think, I, like God, I love the idea that God's in control as long as he makes things go the way I want them to go. And for some of us, <coughs> excuse me, we don't doubt God's love. Perhaps we do. But for many of us in this room, we don't doubt God's love and, we, and, and that he wants the best for us. We just wonder how disruptive, distru- uh, disruptive his good will be. We just wonder what that best will look like in our lives. But, and, we, you know, we just sang today. I love it. It was just so perfect. It was the very first song that we sang, and it talked. It had words like this. Lord, fix my eyes on the unexpected. You just sang that. And I am ready for what you will do next. And then it says, unexpected, you are always good. We just sang that. May those words ring true. May they not just be words that we sing on a Sunday morning, but may we just begin to live into that and begin to be open to the unexpected and to know that in the midst of that unexpectedness, there is something good waiting for you there. This was Mary's response when God interrupted his life and said, I have a different plan for you. This was her response. And she said, may it be to me as you have said. In other words, so be it. Whatever, whatever adventure lies before, I'm in. I'm with you on this, God. Let's do this together. The incredible thing is there was no bargaining on her part. There was no, this is what I tend to do. It's like, are you sure, God? Because let's, can we talk about this? Can we, let's have a conversation because I just want to make, you know, sure. There was no cutting good deals. Oftentimes we like to barter with God. We like to cut good deals with God. Well, God, if I do this, then will you do this? And we probably don't say that out loud, but we find ourselves that maybe I, if, if I shore up my behavior, maybe if I behave myself a little bit more, then God will. That's not our job. Our job is like Mary's, to respond to God's creative ways. You see, the thing is, God is always up to something in your life. God is never stagnant. He's always up to something. It's always fresh. It's always new. And so because it's that, it's always unexpected. You don't know where it leads. You don't know what's happening in the midst of it oftentimes. But his ways are always redemptive. That is the nature of God. When Jesus came to this earth, it was that God would redeem our lives. That was the mission and the purpose. And his God's purposes are always redemptive. And what he does is he invites us to participate in his, in his plan. And when we do, we, we, he, together as partners, we bring about his purposes. The key, though, is that we have to say yes. We have to be open and willing, like Mary, to those plans and not hold with white-knuckle grips to the life of our dreams, but be willing... It means that we're going to have to let go of some of our expectations of how we think life should go. And some of these assumptions of what it should, we want it to look like. When she said, may it be to me as you have said, it was a response of surrender. It was a, a response of letting go of those things, those white-knuckled things we hang on to um, that, we, that we think 
will bring the life that we desired. And it's the exact opposite of control. We, we always grab for control. In fact, you've probably said, I hear it all the time, people say things like, well, I'm just, I'm such a control freak. I hear that all the time. And it's like, I want to say I don't, but I want to say um, we all are. Every one of us in this room is because it's, control is always about trust. Are you going to trust a God who sometimes is invisible, or are you going to trust that you can manage and manipulate God and make it work on your own? It's always an issue of trust. And it's, but control is always the opposite of faith. And we are called, the righteous will live by faith, Scripture records. We are called to a life of faith, and yet it, it's, it's so hard to do. It's so hard to release control of those things um, to a different plan than what we had expected. But this is one of the key teachings of Jesus. He's the one that said, if you lose your life, you will find it. You will gain it. The life that you really wanted, it will be found by you if you're willing to let go of the life you think you should have. Hard thing to do, but it's certainly a principle of Scripture. And it's contained in the story of Mary. So our goal is not to, have, not to create this perfect life. Because if you're out to create this perfect life, i got to tell you, you'll be exhausted. You'll be disappointed and you'll be extremely exhausted because it takes every energy in you to try and keep life under control. Because life has a way of not being under control, of doing its own thing. But life... So our, our goal is not to create this kind of life, but our goal is to be like Mary, who was able to say yes to the life that God is already bringing. Remember I said he's always up to something? God is already bringing life to you, and our job, like her, is to say yes to that thing and to surrender to that and to give up the life that we, how we thought it should look, and even to give up the being, wanting to be our own saviors. Oftentimes we do that. I want, I want to fix this. I want to make it work. I want to manage it. And um, I got this covered. Sometimes we say that. <clears throat> in the process of this kind of disruptive life, these unexpected things that God brings into our lives, in the midst of that, there's something really important that has to happen. And Mary, Mary exemplified it in this story, is that you're going to have to trust that it's good. You're going to have to trust that God's heart towards you is good. The, the problem often comes is that we like to define what goodness is. This would be good in my life, and this would be good in my life, and this would be good. And that almost always means that I want life to go the way I want. My husband just had, had a knee replacement, and it's painful, and recovery is long, and, but he knows that it's good. You know, He knows that this is a good thing. And he goes to the physical therapy um, therapist three times a week, and he, when he first went, he couldn't move his knee. I mean, he, he couldn't even get it off the floor. And everybody said, you got to go to physical therapy. you got to do that. It's hard, it's painful, but you got to do it. So he knew that going into it. But he goes to the physical therapist, and she says, I want you to do this. And he goes, uh-uh. <laughs> she goes, no, I know what's good for you. And he's going, I don't think so, because <laughs> I don't want to do that, because it's going to be painful. And she says, trust me, you'll be glad you did. I know what's good for you. It's kind of that same idea, is that it, on the outside it looks like, I don't want to do that. That looks really painful. That's not what I wanted. That's not what I expected. And she says to him, trust me, I know what I'm doing, and it's, it's for your own good. If you want to walk again and golf again and fish again, you got to do this. And even when God's ways are messy and sometimes really maddening to us, 
We just need to hang on to this idea, this truth, that there's always more going on than what we see. God is always working behind the scenes, creating something. There's more going on than we have yet to realize. One of my, my favorite Christmas quote is this, and I share it with you, and I, I think of this oftentimes, and it says this, God has interrupted our ordinary expectations, as cherished as they are, to conceive something in us. We cannot manage it. We can't even understand it. All we can do is receive it. Because if God has conceived this thing, then it is holy, and it will save our lives. Whatever God is doing, it's a good thing, and it will save us. Not in salvation, we think of eternity so much, as much as every day he's, he's, re, he's restoring us, he's healing us, he's making us whole. This is what his plan is in our life. Every day, this is what. So whatever God wants to birth in us, we just have to get our arms around the fact that God wants to create something new and good that, that actually becomes for our own healing and our wholeness as a people. The second thing that I want about Mary that I want to bring out is this, is that every yes leads to another yes. Every yes leads to another. And I got, long before the angel arrived on the scene that day, long before he, he explained this incredible story and un- unveiled this story to Mary, she had already said yes to God a thousand times before that. So you don't, you don't just, God just doesn't say, go to, you know, go to Africa. And you go, yeah, yes, I'll do that. It doesn't happen that way. Our, our yeses don't come out in heroic moments. They come out in saying yes over and over and over in the dailiness of life. Only then are we able to say yes to those heroic things of faith that we never thought we would say yes to. And I often wonder, why did God choose Mary? Um, I don't know if you've ever wondered that, but why her? Why, you know, of all the people of the world, why did he choose Mary? And I, and I don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. But I have this idea that perhaps she had cultivated her heart in the dailiness of life. And over and over and over, she had yet said yes to God. And she had cultivated a heart that was open and willing to whatever God revealed to her. I think that might be perhaps it. And that no matter how creative and disrupted and and messy that God's purposes and ways in her life, she understood, um, had cultivated an ability to say yes to God's movement and ways. Can I assure you of this? God is up to something in your life. You may not know what it is right now, and that's okay. You may not know where it will take you and what and the ramifications of saying yes to that will be. But the thing, you know, often people, the question often arises is, I, I just want to know God's will for my life. What, you know, what's God's will? And, and it's, often we think in terms of a place or a position or a title. Just tell me what God wants me to be. The problem is if he does that, then we get our hands all over it, don't we? We go into manipulation mode. And if, if God wants me to do this and be this, then I, it's like, I got it now, I got this, and we tend to get our hands all over it. And then we can mess it all up. But God's will is not those things. God's will is actually this daily surrender, this daily saying yes to God's unexpected ways, no matter how fearful or how um, unexpected or even insignificant that they may be. 
And so what we discover is this, that Mary discovered, is that life is not about, someone said, life is not about a thousand victories. Yay, overcoming. Life is about a thousand surrenders. It's a thousand ways of saying yes to God's unexpected ways. That, that they never seem significant, seem significant in the moment. But saying yes to those things. I remember, year, I remember very distinctly years ago, as, as I'm, I'm thinking about these kinds of things, that, that you, know, you have to ask yourself, who's in control of your life? Who's, who's in the driver's seat? You know, kind of thing. And I just remember years ago saying this to God, that I said, I will always say yes to you. No ma- and if fear is the only thing that keeps me, because saying yes to God's ways is, is it's really hard because we have this idea. We have the other plans of what that looks like. But if fear is the only thing that keeps me from saying yes to God, then it's not enough, a good enough reason to say no. Because saying yes to anything is always fearful. Saying yes um, will always take you places that you never thought you'd go. Saying yes will... It's not because of you're so qualified. <laughs> it's not because it's, it's so understandable. It'll always require more of you than you think you have. But if fear is the only thing that keeps you from that, it's not a good enough reason to say no. I got to tell you, you know that being up here is fearful, right? <laughs> have your son listen to you. This is always fearful. But I have, said, I, have done, I have said yes to God to this kind of thing for so many years. And I've experienced his faithfulness. With every yes, I have experienced his faithfulness, and he has never let me down. Just like our passage said, that God will never let you down. I've said yes so many times that I can say yes to this. It's still scary. You never get over that. But where I just, if I don't say yes so... How much would I miss? I just don't want to miss what God has for me. So I'm going to push in. I'm going to lean into these really, the tension and this fear that always comes when we consider God's ways instead of our own. I'm going to lean into those things. And it always takes you places you never imagined. And God's will is right in front of you. It's not if or when. Well, as soon as this happens then, it's never out there. God's will is always right in front of you. And it really, really hinges, hinges on the ability and your willingness to say yes. God's will, will can be unfolded in your life as long as we say yes to that. And I don't know what your, your yes is. I don't know what that looks like in your life today. Maybe it's stepping out in serving. And you go, my, you know, all these things. Now, there's some things we can't say yes to. I can't say yes to being a professional ballerina, okay? If there's other things like that would, that would keep you from saying yes, you know, I can't be an astronaut. I can't be a jet pilot. But I can, be, I can say yes to the things that God has put in front of me. He never, he never asked me to do those things. I can say yes. He's, called, he's asked me to serve, to give my life away for the sake of others. I can say yes to that. Maybe it, it means giving. Maybe it gives, means giving beyond what you've previously given. You can't even imagine. You look at your checkbook and you go, that's so not going to happen. But if God is, is speaking to, in, to your heart about that and calling you to live generously, say yes to that. Because I've discovered that God uses our finances as one of the most transformative things in our life. Because finances are always an issue of control. Always. 
Okay, I better move on. That's meddling now, right? That's what I'm, I've heard. Um, but you have no idea where it would take you. And you, go, you, you have to be okay with that. And to trust that will always be good and it will always be redemptive in your life. And I think <clears throat> my, my, my thoughts have changed about God's purposes and will. I don't think that we actually find God's will. I think that it finds us. I'm here but not because I planned. I did not have this great master plan for my life to be here this morning. But somehow this found me and here I am. Because I've said, a yes, a thousand ways to God. And, and it's like the Robert Frost poem. Do you remember that where it says, and way leads on to way. You say yes to this, and it leads to this. And you say yes to this, and it leads to this. And on and on. And, and all of a sudden, you look back one day, and you can't believe how far you have come. It's just amazing how God uses our yeses in our lives. And long before Mary, before long, the really cool thing is, like Mary, as we say yes, before long we begin to realize that we are living into ways for which we were created. We're all created different. God has different purposes for all of our lives. But what I'm doing today is what I was created for. And if you'd seen me in high school, high school you would have said, no way. I was a wallflower. I was shy. I couldn't look people in the eye. And here I am. I can't look you in the eye because it's really dark, just so you know that. <laughs> I can only see you guys. Um, but here I am. And who'd have thought? Um, and if God revealed that to you, again, I probably would have run. So he doesn't do that. Let, let me move on. Number three. The third thing about Mary that we need to know is this, is that joy is a choice. And it may not always involve answers of deliverance. Luke 146 says, And Mary said, the really... Incredible, one of the most incredible things about this passage is this, is that Mary not only said yes, she not only embraced, like, let's do this, God. She not only embraced that, she actually rejoiced in it. Not just, you know, okay, okay, let's, you know. She rejoiced in it. Now, I don't know about how many of you, when, when God does this thing in your life, he shows up and he, he tells you this incredible story, and life doesn't go how you want. How many of you go, yeah? I mean, it's kind of this grudging, like, yay, that wasn't Mary. It's, she says this, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She not only surrendered to God's ways, God's ways she rejoiced in them. And I love this saying, from, he's my favorite author, his name is Eugene Peterson, and it, he defined joy for me in the best, very best possible words, and he said this, he said that joy always involves delight in what God is doing. If you want joy in your life, delight in what God is doing. Not just say yes to it, but delight in it. And the thing is, joy doesn't come, like Mary, joy doesn't come when, when we get final answers or when we have deliverance, you know, final deliverance. It doesn't come then. Let, let gratitude and joy have its way in your life before you know the end of the story. Mary didn't know the end of her story. She rejoiced in God without ever knowing the end. Had she known the end, that her son would die a horrible death, it's good that we don't know the end. Rejoice in the moment now of what God is doing. And here's the thing. Your, your um, subtitle of your Advent series is The Thrill of Hope, I think is what it was. And as long as we know 
that God is up to something and that it's good and redemptive in our lives. And we don't have to know where it leads. But as long as we know he's up to something, we can have hope. Whatever your circumstances are, you can have hope because God is up to something good and creative in your life. And when we do, Scripture calls us blessed. It says of Mary in Luke 145, it says, Blessed is she who has believed the Lord would fulfill. I must be done. <laughs> That's my timer, and that was my last one. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill her promises to her. Blessed are we when we believe that, that God will fulfill his purposes. With every yes, God will fulfill his purposes in our lives. I want to close in a, in a prayer that I wrote, and um, you can close your eyes if you'd like to, um, whatever you'd like to do, but I'd like to pray this prayer over you as a prayer of benediction as we head into the Advent season. Jesus, help us to understand that you are orchestrating our lives in ways we have yet to imagine. In spite of the fear that grips our hearts, give us the confidence that you are rich with creativity and you are exceedingly good. May we somehow, like Mary, throw open our lives to your infinite, creative, sometimes maddening work and allow our lives to be defined by you. And in doing so, may we surprisingly find delight in what you are doing. I pray for those of us who feel like life is falling apart. May we take hold of the same promise Mary received. Don't be afraid. God is with you. You are not alone. He walks with you through every difficult place, and his strength can become your strength. He knows your name, even when all is not well. Jesus, help us to let go of our white-knuckle grip and abandon our lives to the whirlwind of your creative activity in the world. And in our journey through Advent, Jesus, I pray you will fill our lives with awe and wonder. Lord, birth in us something that ends up being for the sake of others. And enlarge our imaginations and make us grateful and joyful participants in your purposes. Amen.